Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Carl inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. And the biggest issues continue to thrive. An amazing U.S. golf open, soccer intensifying before cutter, basketball over, but hockey is not, baseball getting bigger, American football just around the corner. Let's look at our deal-making issues this week. Three to one. Three. The International Swimming Federation set to release NFTs to those who break world records. They will uh, commission a digital artist to design the personalized tokens for any record-breaking swimmer receiving a five a $50,000 cash prize. And FINA, the organization, claims the NFT award is due to, uh, to appeal to the younger audiences and to incentivize competitors to swim at a high level due to the pandemic. These are the first aquatic world championships to be held since 2019. Competitions include swimming, diving, and water polo. The event will be televised by NBC's Olympic Channel and Peacock streaming site. Overseas, shown by 22 members of the European Broadcasting Union and by Australia's Nine Gem Channel and Nine Now streaming platform. Deal-making issue number three. Two. Just Women's Inc. the Media Partnership with the National Women's Soccer League, including rights to distribute highlights this and past seasons across the sports media company's social and digital platforms. The goal is to drive more fans toward NWSL broadcasts, currently carried by CBS and Amazon-owned streaming platform Twitch. New NWSL Commissioner Jessica Berman, particularly interested in platform-specific audience of fans of women's sports, tripled in size since the last year. Traffic as well as social following and engagement numbers continue to trend upward. One. Finally, deal-making issue number one, and it involves stadium issues that will be coming up basically all over the country. Cleveland Browns. First Energy Stadium has been their home for 23 years, but they may only play there for a few more seasons. The franchise seeking a new billion-dollar stadium as part of a lakefront development in the city. Browns owner Jimmy and Dee Haslam want a covered stadium and are willing to move downtown to get the new building. The stadium would be publicly funded, and the Browns have yet to confirm or deny the report. Yet, the team is conducting feasibility studies on what a new stadium could look like, and the results should be completed by next year. Franchise could also redevelop First Energy Stadium instead of seeking a new home for the franchise. It was completed when the Browns returned to the NFL in 1999 after a three-year hiatus from the league. The stadium cost $283 million to complete. It's the 12th oldest stadium in the NFL, and clearly more is on the way. NFL, stadiums, the ripple effect all over football and all over sports is obvious to see. Leading us to our really significant interview today, Ray Anderson. He was involved in uh, the NFL when I was building facilities as well. He was the EVP of football operations 
2006 and beyond, the NFL Committee on, on Workforce Diversity. He was also the EVP and CAO of the Falcons for four years, and now the Athletic Director at, and VP of University Athletics for Arizona State, held that post since 2014. Harvard Law in my class, football, basketball at Stanford, started his own sports agency, 1980 and then 1984. He is clearly a renaissance man in the sports field and the bottom line of college sports, NFL, stadiums, NIL, all of the issues that are significant today, Ray Anderson is on top of. Here he is now. First of all, we won't spend a lot of time on it. It is legion, but we'll go on to other things. Your legendary football career at Stanford, Leonard in football, Leonard in baseball, pro prospect. What happened? Uh, no, uh, just because you letter does not mean you're anywhere near a pro prospect, certainly. But it gave me the opportunity to uh, uh, go to college, uh, fully paid, the opportunity to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics in a great conference, uh, travel, see the country, meet a bunch of people, and really kind of inspired my love and my passion that said at some point in my career, wouldn't it be nice to be in athletics? Uh, and so here I sit, fast forward a number of years as an athletic director. So it's kind of all worked out. But uh, uh, no, I was never a professional prospect, although I uh, thought I would be at some point in baseball, although I did get drafted by the Oakland A's in baseball out of high school. But I'd already accepted the scholarship to Stanford and I was not to be deterred. Thankfully, I was smart enough to uh, anticipate that my skill set would not be a, a professional level skill set, Rick. Well, it is a professional level skill set. It's just a different kind of professional uh, uh, deal. So from your sports advisory representation to then the uh, EVP and CAO of the Falcons four years and then the NFL uh, with football operations, was it easy with your skill set as you look back to shift sides of table, let's say? Uh, it, it really was not a uh, significant uh, challenge to go from labor to management because uh, all during the course of my career, uh, I was really involved with both sides, really got a chance to see some really good professionals work on both sides of the table. Uh, and it really kept my uh, uh, eye open to uh, maybe management opportunities at some point. So even at, when I was working as an agent, uh, I always thought that at some point, if I could get on management side in an executive position, uh, I would look to potentially do that. And so that opportunity was presented by the Falcons and then later the league office uh, and then now here. Uh, so I, though the, the, the learning curve and the switchover wasn't dramatic uh, uh, because I was always, I think, respectful and anxious to hear both sides of the story, even when I was representing uh, players and coaches primarily. As we get into the segue to ASU, hot topic, um, stay at whatever level of 30,000 feet you want to, but you were in, instrumental in the NFL committee uh, on uh, workforce diversity. Given all the stuff that's going on, swirling around NFL, don't ask you to comment on the merits of a specific lawsuit, but uh, more needs to be done. What's your general thought about all of that? Well, certainly more needs to be done. And so I'm glad there's uh, attention uh, refocused on uh, the need for diversity and inclusion in the NFL uh, and across sports. So 
Uh, I was one of the original working group members uh, uh, on the Rooney Committee, uh, appointed by uh, then Commissioner Tagliabue with the support of Arthur Blank, our owner. Uh, and so I was in the room during the discussions about uh, the Rooney Rule and what it meant and what it should do. Uh, and over time, I don't think there's any question, uh, it's lost some of its uh, appeal and impact. So I think to circle back uh, and really have to take a look at revisiting it and revising it and upgrading it uh, and really driving home the fact that we have not made the progress that any of us back then anticipated. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're back to the discussion because I certainly think the time between the original Rooney Rule and now has proven that uh, not nearly enough has changed. So I'm glad there's attention back on it, Rick. So 2014, you become AD. And it's, by the way, important. I, I note the title. A lot of schools are doing it, but some aren't. The VP for university athletics, not just AD. Um, going on eight years after 10 years, do they give you a plaque? What do they do after 10 years? You know what? I, I don't know. I'm actually, I just finished my eighth going. Can you believe this? I'm in my ninth no. year. No. Uh, and so I don't, I don't know what happens after a decade. Uh, hopefully I'm still standing uh, and, and, and more importantly, Rick, uh, uh, enjoying it, uh, which I really do. I, I like the collegiate uh, environment, but I got to tell you, and you're probably going to hit on this, uh, it's changing by the moment uh, with all the name, image, and likeness and all the transfer portal, frankly, free agency and all the alignment and all the discussion about potentially having to uh, cut additional Olympic sports as you try to uh, finance and fund and keep up with the Joneses and other conferences and institutions. Uh, it's changing. Uh, and so I'm hoping I'm still having fun doing it three or four or five years from now, but that's to be determined, very frankly. Well, and you're the guy that can be one step ahead as far as perspective is concerned. I do want to talk about your accomplishments because there are a lot. But before we do that, let's identify some of those issues you talk about. First, uh, gaming uh, on campus. You know, when I was doing the NFL stuff with you, I was told specifically, stay away from Indian gaming, stay away from casino sponsorships, stay away from Indian land, uh, stay away from any big revenue that they bring. But after that, it's okay. Now, if you don't embrace it all, you are left behind. Uh, are we, and we see Michigan State, we see what LSU is doing, we see what Colorado has done. Where is the appropriate place for gambling on campus? You know, that's a institution by institution, community by community uh, uh, determination. Uh, I mean, here in Arizona, we have a lot of tribal communities and uh, there are uh, sponsors here uh, in our environment. Whether or not you take that to gaming and betting uh, is a different discussion at each institution. Uh, here at ASU, we're not there yet. I don't know if we'll ever get there with our uh, 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 with our view on gaming and betting, while others have done it to produce additional revenue streams. So uh, it's kind of the wild, wild west, uh, uh, Rick, but with the pressure to produce additional revenue streams, given the changing environment, who knows what decisions people are going to make on this area? If um, not on the spot, be hypothetical if you want, and you may have already done it. If Caesars, BetMGM, PointBet, WinBet, FanDuel, DraftKing come to you and said, here's a big deal, we want to name everything around you, would you do it? Uh, at the end of the day, that would not be my call. 
That would be the, the call of the president and the Arizona Board of Regents uh, who run the university system. So uh, at that level, that's not an athletic director's call. I assure you that is uh, the president and the other leadership uh, of the university goes way beyond athletics. Now, they'd love to, to produce the money through yeah, athletics, to say. be sure. Yeah. Right. But the branding and the other impacts, uh, I, I think, will take precedent, and it would not be uh, an athletic director decision, very frankly, here nor anywhere else that I'm aware of. Shift quickly to NIL. There are different approaches. Some schools will create consortiums for all the athletes. Some schools will encourage the athletes to go do their own deals. Uh, and if you're a quarterback who gets a big deal, maybe the left tackle doesn't block as zealously as he could have. Some schools will turn the other way and scum schools totally embrace. What, what, where do you think the solution is? On that? Well, I think the solution uh, is there's got to be some national standards, some national legislations that put some uh, guardrails around it. Because right now, uh, you know, we I'm out west, so I can use the term uh, it's the wild west. Uh, there are so many different approaches to it. Uh, some people being very creative and very aggressive uh, and others more uh, cautious because they really don't know where it's going to go. And a lot of it, very frankly, uh, Rick, depends on what your financial uh, capacity is and kind of what right now your risk aversion is. Uh, but it's all over the place. There are collective consortiums, as you say. There's some places where, very frankly, boosters and donors are, are out there uh, very aggressively recruiting on and inducing on behalf of the institution because recruiting is so important. Uh, and so uh, we're trying to, uh, I think, more deliberately find our way here at ASU. For you. But we're one of those institutions that knows very honestly, we're not going to be able to get in the arms race with what some of these other institutions are doing. So we've got to figure out what fits our model. And then we have to differentiate ourselves with regard to what should attract a student athlete to ASU that's not going to be just about the money in the NIL, uh, uh, but it's very tough right now, man. Nobody has a handle on it. Uh, certainly we don't the way we'd like to. Well, Ray Anderson yet again uh, excels in expectation management because it's going to be one of those things where everybody I've talked to says that the next Ohio State is the following 48 schools that can move, maneuver the highest NIL dollars to the highest bear, and not just in football. And we see the basketball programs, too. But uh, I'm sure you've got a level head on it like you do everything else. Well, uh, it, it is going to be uh, one of the, the next 18 months, two years, Rick, and this stuff is, is going to tell, in my view, where we're going to be. Because you, you, you're not going to get in an arms race uh, with, the, with, with a lot of the SEC, SEC schools and Ohio States and the others who, very frankly, have just – always had more financial wherewithal and you're just not going to get in an arms race with uh, those institutions. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, if you get to a point where it's clear that all the five-star superstars are all going to the same place. And then how do you start dealing with that when you start looking at competitive advantage and disadvantage? Is it good for the game? It's going to be very interesting. So that's getting the athlete. How do you keep them? And let's spend a minute on the uh, 
uh, transfer portal, which you uh, 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 suggest is just another uh, de facto free agency with another name, uh, how, do you, how, do we, how do we in the industry deal with that? Uh, we in the industry are struggling to figure out how you deal with it because when you, when you add NIL and now you have the transfer portal, which indeed, let's just call it like it is, it's college free agency uh, right now. Uh, and so you put the combination of NIL uh, and very frankly, the recruiting inducements that apparently are going on with some of the NIL methodology. And now you add on it free agency, at least a one-time free agent move to anywhere you want to go and it can be eligible right now. It's going to be hard to figure out who you recruit, but more importantly, who you think you can keep. Uh, and a lot of that will be driven by, very frankly, how much money is your NIL deal right. worth? And is it going to be able to keep somebody from taking off in the transfer portal if they're not happy with playing time or coaching staff or whatever? It's 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 nuts right now, man. Doesn't it uh, frustrate you a little bit as a as a as an icon? Let's put it that way. My words, not yours, that you can anticipate this problem years in advance, but you don't have the unilateral ability to solve it. The most frustrating thing, you know, personalities uh, like yours and mine, uh, if there's one thing we do like is some semblance of control. And we are in a situation where this NIL stuff is in this transfer portal, certainly as athletic directors right now, we have very little control. And it's very frustrating because you you want to do the right thing. You want to try to recruit uh, the, the right student athlete. You want to try to. Uh, uh, sell the, 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 the vision that you think is good for them and good for you. And then all of a sudden this NIL and this transfer portal can throw all of that completely off balance. So it's very frustrating because you have very little control. And oh, by the way, Rick, uh, I would tell you, it's not coincidental that you look up in every day. You're, you're seeing more and more athletic directors who have been around for a while deciding they've had enough. And you've seen all the retirement notices from athletic directors who have been around for a while. Oh yeah. Keep, but yeah, but you can't leave. I mean, you, no, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm planning to stay in the fray. I'm planning to stay in the fray and fight the fight as long, very frankly, as I'm enjoying it. And as long as it doesn't get so out of our control yeah, that we really have no impact. This last couple of minutes will be the, uh, the Ray Anderson aggrandizement hour, and this is from me, not you. Uh, 300-some-odd-million-dollar Sun Devil renovation. Biggest thing to me in all of that is the characterization and branding of it as a 365-day-a-year facility, which has to be a template that other schools are going to follow, right? Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm sitting here outside of our Sun Devil Stadium 365, uh, and indeed, it is a community available asset, uh, a university available asset. So we built it to be much more than a football facility. We have concerts in here now. We have student groups in here. We have uh, uh, banquets. We have uh, 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 corporate meetings. We have all kinds of community activities from the uh, tribal festivals to the high school 
championships. Uh, we're going to have a soccer friendly. It is really an all purpose arena with the thought that why would you not make it a community facing asset? And that's what allowed us, very frankly, to get the additional funding to make it a multi-purpose. In our $115 million multi-purpose arena, which will be the new home for our hockey arena, uh, in our gymnastics, in our wrestling, we have a second NHL size sheet of ice that will be the community ice arena for adult leagues and youth leagues and club leagues and clinics. Uh, and uh, holiday festival skating that converts to a 6,500-seat concert venue from a 5,000-seat hockey uh, venue that will be a multi-purpose and revenue-producing public-accessible facility. That's our model here, and it's working for us, Rick. Did you forget anything? How many times have you done that one? That was that's I'm really look. I, that was my that's been my business. You know, it's my business. How proud of you are this? I, I noticed the passion with which you deliver it. It's a big deal, right? Well, you know the 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 the, the beauty is you came here come here to have an impact beyond your athletic teams and the way we have structured these new uh, facilities and offerings is it's a community serving uh, venue as well. And oh, by the way, you're able to drive additional revenues by uh, operating it and designing it that way. Our multi-purpose facility, which is for us code for our new hockey facility, it, it is like one of the biggest anticipated new venues in this whole valley in a long time. And we're really proud of that. And oh, by the way, we, we got a tennis vision uh, 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 coming along that will serve that same type of purpose, open to the public, certainly open to us, open to communities, open to leagues, open to uh, the underserved community, open to students. And oh, by the way, there's a revenue uh, uh, opportunity there because it's a business that's run for profit. You've been the Pac-12 AD chairman. You're named one of the top 25 most influential uh, minority members in sports. I, I don't know who the other 24 are, but, you know, I, I don't understand it. And on and on. How, how does it feel to be the uh, be the grandfather of, of sports in, in the Valley and, and in all of sports business? You're, you are well, getting kind of old. I, I wouldn't know because I don't think that's me. I think that's you, my old friend, who is uh, flattering me yet again, and I appreciate it. But uh, uh, I, I just enjoy being a member of a community and an industry uh, where I think I can, can, can make a difference. And I think over the course of my career, I've had some moments of being impactful. Uh, I've also had some moments where I'm sure I've underperformed. Uh, but I'm telling you, man. Uh, it's been a wonderful uh, uh, industry for you and me and other folks, and, and I'm just I'm just very fortunate to have been involved and uh, hope to be uh, here doing this for at least a few more years, hopefully uh, positively. There's not a better time to talk about all of these issues than today, and Ray Anderson certainly is the person to give us that perspective. Thanks to Ray. Sports Tech Minute, Tottenham Hotspur star Harry Kane invested in Toka Football, T-O-C-A, the tech-infused soccer and entertainment complex, founded in 19, 2016 by U.S. World Cup and Premier League midfielder Eddie Lewis. Toka Football recently became the largest operator of indoor soccer facilities in North America. They use proprietary training devices to give objective feedback to young players 
In explaining why he invested, Kane cited that programming, the ability to help grow the sport, and Toka Social's appeal to uh, players for casual play, I think Toka a great opportunity for younger boys and girls to train with the team, he said. The Toka technology gives the opportunity to get the information back on stats, seeing what they need to work on and what they need to improve on, and it's great to have. See where it goes from here. Gaming Minute. North Carolina lawmakers consider two sports gambling bills. The bills to legalize online sports gaming in the state. In tandem, they are intended to pass 688 passed a divided state Senate last year, awaiting action in the House throughout the current legislative session. The House Judiciary Committee hears the bill along with Senate Bill 38, an unrelated bill that will be gutted and amended to be an accompanying sports gambling measure. On Tuesday, Jason Sane, the bill's House sponsor, told various media uh, at a press conference, the new legislation makes significant changes to Senate Bill 688, increasing the fees and tax rates paid by sports wagering operators in the state. Operators pay up to a million and up to 500000 in the original bill to obtain a five-year license. A renewal license will cost up to a million from the 100000 in the original bill. At least 20 states, including Virginia and Tennessee, are moving today to supplement their existing legislation made legal after the 2018 Supreme Court ruling. Finally, the Good Sports 5 as usual. Epoxy.ai, a Philadelphia tech startup, aims to sync TV watching with sports betting. First customer is BetParks, a sister company to Parks Casino. The personalized betting experience for 75 million sports fans who experts say could place more than $20 billion a year in wagers. NFL debuted their Guardian cap during minicap, soft minicamp, soft-shelled helmets aimed at decreasing head impact. More than 200 NCAA college football programs began deploying and covering the time, including Clemson and Oklahoma. It claims to reduce impact by 33%. Masut Ozil will move into esports after... A German's agent says his opportunity will be to generate some more significant dollars for him and the club. World Swimming bans transgender athletes from women's events. The World Professional Association for Transgender Health lowered its recommended minimum age for starting gender transition hormone treatment to 14 and some surgeries to 15 or 17. Finally, Astros relievers had terrible coffee in the bullpen, so Phil Maton fixed it. They brought baseball's lowest bullpen ERA, 2.55, into Sunday's game against the White Sox. Opponents batting just 203 against Astro relievers, who are allowing just a little over one walk or hit per inning pitched. The bullpen group has said biggest coffee connoisseurs, and what they did They brought new kinds of coffee into the bullpen with very interesting results. What will they think of next? That's your Good Sports 5.
Well, that's also the show for this week. We'd like to thank Ray Anderson for giving his time and perspective for all aspects of contemporary sports business issues. I'd like to thank Nick Nielsen for helping us put the show together. And for all of you to watch and listen and join us next week when we continue to go inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. I'm the sports professor, Ricaro. See you next time.